Welcome to Rondo. This is episode number four, the one about MMOs. This week on the panel, exceptionally, we have finally George Andonatis. Hello. Jim Merberg. Hello, hello. Eric Harton. Hi. And I'm your host, Alex Rice. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi, Alex. Anyway. Do we have some correction from la- the last episode? No, we don't. We still don't have any comments. Probably yeah. had less listeners this time, didn't we? I think like first episode had like 50 listens and second one 25. Yep. Ah, that many. Yeah. yeah. We'll be Peter so, by soon. Yeah, well, we haven't actually even released episode three yet, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, we definitely shouldn't... Uh, probably shouldn't publish uh, episodes late at night before everyone goes to sleep anymore <laughs> try to aim for the mornings when people might be awake and willing to listen well the definition of a night is a flexible thing so <laughs> True. if someone lives in Las Vegas and we release something that's uh, that's around midnight or something it's not going to be midnight there <laughs> <laughs> yep What have what have you guys been playing? I still am playing Ultra Street Fighter, um, training up, and will probably ask you for another round of beating up this week. Um, okay. That aside, I've played Rising Thunder, which you mentioned yeah. last week, and I found it okay. Uh, it's nice. There's still a lot of noobs around though. Um, the, the quality of the players is really low. Even I can win matches, so that that's not a good sign. Yeah, well, it's advertised as Street Fighter 4 noob, so you have it. Uh, it has this kind of appeal to it. Yeah. So you get all those flowchart cans. Yeah, and uh, there's a bunch of. There's a bunch of there's a whole bunch of people who do just like jabbing a lot, right? I, that's what that was my that was what I noticed that uh, I go to a match and I try to do uh, some stuff and then then guys are just mashing jab and then it's just okay so I try to punish your jab and uh, then then I set up the same situation. And this time, I know you're going to mash jab, so I punish it again, and then I do it for the whole match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had matches like that as well. That said, I found that like when you have a mirror fight, it's kind of okay, except for those guys that just mash jab, but like someone's playing for you. Yeah, and uh, I've been playing some Street Fighter 4 as well. Um, I took part in this online tournament and what happened was that uh, I lost the first set against Chan pretty badly and then in, the, in loser bracket there was this Chan player I knew I won against him and then the, the guy I won against I think he was far better than the guy I lost against <laughs> but so it goes then I lost against this uh, guy called Yonzai and Yonzai is the guy who was considered the best in Finland, but he somehow ended up in losers against me oh, on the third round. 
So yeah, that's what that was my online tournament that day. I played Honda because I just started up the game and I didn't hadn't been playing for a while. So yeah, I played the character that I usually play, uh, so I don't have to teach myself. I thought you played Honda because you like sitting on people. Yeah, that's that's one thing too. But uh, <laughs> it's like it's like if uh, if I had if I had any thoughts of uh, I'm gonna switch characters, well, uh, then. Those were those were kind of like okay. So I've played Honda, played Honda a lot, and I just fired up the game. And uh, I should have been in practice for a while before I go try some other character against people. So, okay. so I go with the character that I usually play. <laughs> That's one of the things. What's your main rising toner? Uh, I was playing. I was playing a lot of Vlad uh, and right. Dauntless. Yeah. I play with Chell, as you can imagine. Yeah. Anyway, I guess Jim has been playing tons of uh, the game that shouldn't, shouldn't be mentioned. Yes. I'm still playing the game that shall not be mentioned. Um, I The Witcher 3, for people who have no idea what the hell we're talking about. Um, I did download... Um, the, uh, what's it called? Everybody's Gone to the Rapture yesterday for the PS4, so I'll hopefully play that tonight. Um, and I still need to play The Vanishing of Ethan Carter as well, actually. Didn't you play uh, Rocket League? Oh yes, I. Well, that was actually a couple of weeks ago. I, I have maybe 20 minutes of Rocket League so far, but it's quite fun. So definitely something that should be checked out, and hopefully most people will with a PS4 will have it if they have PlayStation Plus, since it was free last month. Right, it's kind of like a football game, I guess, with cars. Yes, it's it's a football game with remote-controlled cars, and you can jump, you can boost. Um, and it, it's just a lot of fun in general and you can pull off some crazy aerial maneuvers so you can jump and like do a backflip and by doing a backflip you can like hit the ball in a direction so there's there's some pretty cool like uh, saves where they drive into the actual goal as the ball is flying in and they just pass it jump and do it like a backflip and knock the ball back out like right that on the line um, and you can pull off some pretty extensive air as well by uh, by jumping, angling your car so your like rocket booster is downwards, and then hitting the boost button, you can get some really like cool uh, aerial maneuvers and stuff. Yeah. So, but just the fact that you have to actually drive and turn and reverse and stuff to get where you want to go is quite interesting. So, and then the, all the aerial maneuvers are just crazy. I mean, I didn't do anything crazy myself, but just checking some videos of it online. Um, you're like, oh my god! <laughs> Some people are just inhuman. Cool. Are there are the servers shared between PC and PS4? I don't know, to be honest. I didn't try any online games at all. I just did like some local ones against the, the CPU. Okay. So, like I said, I played it for about 20 minutes. I think I've seen a lot of gifs around about this game, but I've never actually seen any actual footage. Yeah, no, there's there's tons of gifs floating around, especially um, Kotaku tend to post a lot of gifs from Rocket League the last couple of yeah. weeks. Cool. And George, how have you been playing the last year? <laughs> the last year? Okay, let's start from this. The couple of last days, that should be easier. I think I've only been playing uh, Child of Light, and the only reason I've been playing it is the visual, the art is amazing. Right. But other than that, the story is pretty linear and kind of boring. Yeah, no, my girlfriend uh, started playing that about a month ago, actually, and it's quite impressed at how, how much of an RPG it actually is. Yep. Well, I wasn't expecting that. 
<laughs> but it's definitely worth a, lot, a look. Yep. I played Dust and Elysian Tale a while ago and played it for the art only as well. I, I thought it was okay, but like, chuddy side-scrolling RPGs aren't really my thing. In Child yeah. of Light you can fly. The impressive part about Dust is that it's by one guy, almost completely. The voice Seriously? acting, the, the voice acting isn't, of course, but the uh, the graphics and the rest of the engine is completely by one guy. Impressive, nice. Oh yeah, George, you played um, Ori in the Blind Forest about a month or two ago as well, didn't you? Yeah, that was pretty okay. It wasn't as great as I expected. Uh, the mechanics of the game were just amazing. It would be, it could be only actually be played and won with a controller. Using a keyboard was inhumane. <laughs> but the story was pretty dull. Uh, I think Jim got me hooked onto it just by showing me the introduction and the first three, four minutes of gameplay, yep. and it was just amazing. Uh, but afterwards it got pretty boring and the story was not much of anything. But the mechanics and the gameplay and the graphics, the visual art was awesome. It's definitely something that everyone should check out if you've never yep. played it. Yeah, no, I played it kind of on and off because it was my girlfriend that was playing it and I like did a, p a part here or there if she like was completely rage quitting it <laughs> I gave it a try instead so I still need to play it myself properly from beginning to end cool did you play the the journey remake or the, the remastered um, version I have I've booted it up but I haven't actually played it through yet I, I was actually thinking I, I was gonna do like um, a twitch stream of just like journey ps4 complete playthrough in one sitting at some point like one weekend cool last thing I want to mention before we move on and tying into the main subject is just that I've been playing the old content of World of Warcraft. I've done like all the the original or vanilla raids and dungeons quite a few times until I got like full reputation of them. Okay. Uh, and I've done Burning Crusade for the last few weeks or so. Uh, my wife is actually doing all the achievements for those as well. I couldn't care less. <laughs> and now moving on to Leech King there's just so many man hours that went into the game it's crazy I think it's probably like if, if you put it all together it's the biggest piece of art mankind has ever produced damn and I think I've, a lot of the content has been lost I'm pretty sure a lot of the old dungeons and stuff have been remade and not been left original and it's kind of sad, right, that you can't go back and play the old stuff from before the Cataclysm. On one hand it's sad, but on the other hand you, uh, it's kind of neat that they, the game has kind of evolved through time. That yeah. they, they, they have gone and changed some of the past, past dungeons instead of just leaving them intact the way they, they were in 2005 or something. At the same time, it kind of comes down as well to that some of this stuff was meant for the people that were there and then and playing it and and they to some degree have bragging rights because they lived it then and people now can only hear stories about it to me the main issue is like Blizzard has taken away from the leveling up 
and put all of the content in endgame raids and dungeons now. And they just make you level up very fast. Like, I remember back in 2006 when I started with WoW, it used to take me like two to three weeks to advance five levels. <laughs> and now you can do that in an afternoon. Damn. Shall we continue with news? Sure. Sure. So, we had the announcement in Gamescom of the new World of Warcraft expansion that's named Legion. Blizzard's giving us another 10 levels, uh, I think 8 or 9 new areas. They've moved Dalaran over uh, to the new expansion, which I found very, very cheap. Like, oh, do you build a new, uh, a new hub for, for the expansion? Nah. There's a new class, Demon Hunter, which everyone seems to be very much excited about, and like all these new cool artifact weapons that only the big heroes of Warcraft lore yielded in the past, and now you can be one of them. George, considering your long history with World of Warcraft, opinions? Not many. I've been away from the game for a long time, so I don't actually even have an in-game character. But I like the Demon Hunter. He seems like a pretty interesting addition to the story. I didn't personally enjoy how they introduced the Pandaren, so I do hope that they introduce them a bit better than, woo, we're finding new continents, and they have new... No, it's the same people, it's Blood Elves and Night Elves, right? Yeah. So, yeah, they need to figure out a new way, maybe they split off Illidan or something. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're tying it up to the Black Temple and the Illidari. But, yeah, well, the thing about this expansion to me is, like, it's a full rehash of old lore and old content in ways that can only seem cheap to me. Like Legion refers to the Burning Legion, right? Yeah, yeah, which was the main theme of the Burning Crusade. Like, the last expansion was already kind of a rehash of the Burning Crusade, in the sense that, like, you went to Outland again, but a different Outland on a parallel time. Now they're going back again. Oh, but now you're facing the Legion, not the Orcs anymore. Um, and they're going to... Like, I think you start at the, the same prison where Illidan was in prison before as a Demon Hunter. And Demon Hunter is going to be a hero class, which means you started start like half leveled up. Should be like uh, the Death Knight, which was yeah. a very nice addition too. I think people really enjoyed the Death Knights. True, yeah. People certainly did. You don't see them a lot anymore. But I think that's, that was kind of the goal as well. Right? Like, it's for this expansion, you're going to play against the Leech King and you're a Death Knight. Now you're going to play again against Illidan, which you thought was dead for good. Maiev even kind of like suicided after killed, killing him. But Oh well. What's lore, right? They can always sacrifice lore for trying to get 5 million subscribers back. Well, we already had uh, uh, alternate timelines, so we can have the multiverse there too. <laughs> so we can have 5 Illidans against the players. Yeah. But they did introduce some other stuff, like uh, class, uh, class town halls or something something that existed in the Blizzard forums. So maybe they're trying to spice up interest or 
to do something new with the classes? No, they just kind of wanted to to keep on using what they developed for the garrisons in a new way on the new expansion. That's what it is. The the class halls are actually your garrison, but all of the same class. One of my main beefs with Blizzard on World of Warcraft expansion is that they try to make the classes easier for new players, for newcomers. So from the vanilla version they have removed things like arrows, they have removed things like uh, soul stones from warlocks and all these weird things. They've dumped down the tree system. So I was just hoping that maybe they would do something to make classes and more interesting than just picking your class, picking your alignment and that's it. True. I think Blizzard was utter greedy. Like they were trying to expand into the Asian market where they already have some footing and like they have their fans there, but seriously adding pandas and kung fu pandas to the game didn't help them the least to do that or adding Pokemon fights. But um, they, to me, it seems like they don't care about 99.8% of their player base who doesn't raid regularly. And they only focus these expansions and they lock all the lore and the content and the cutscenes after the raids that nobody's gonna do. <laughs> like, seriously, if you look up the stats, out of the 10 million subscribers they had by the end of last year, only 34,000 had actually beaten the last boss of the last raid. Jesus, that is bad. That is a lot worse than even Destiny's numbers when it comes to endgame content. Yeah, I know. And the fact that there's only end game content now, like only the end game matters. They make you just power through the the leveling. They don't put any effort into the leveling. It's just like bread and butter quests where you have to kill so many of this shit and pick this shit up. Um, pick your nose, gain two levels. Yay! Yeah. Well, oh. my my issue with Lich King already was that uh, I ended up. Oh well. The game ended up being so that uh, you come to an area and before before you are done with half of the quests, the you've already leveled up so high that the that that you're not getting anything out of the other half. So yep. they just push you out of the area, and now it's now with the cataclysm. I tried tried uh, with a new alt, and it was even worse then. Yeah, by, by Cataclysm, they had really speed up the leveling. Like, you can seriously get to the level cap within two weeks. And now with Draenor, <laughs> they're actually selling leveled up characters. So you can pay like 50 bucks and you get a level 90 character. Or you can buy the expansion and they give you a level 90 character for free. You get a ton of those people that actually just bought their account and they go in and like, Oh, I want to jo join a PvP guild. I don't even know what my class does or what these buttons do, but I want to guild. That is ridiculous. Yeah. To me, I actually think level caps seem weird in a way. Wouldn't it make maybe more sense to have a leveling system that takes a long time to level up, but there's technically no level cap? So the experience isn't about reaching the end level. The experience is just the journey of playing the game and you basically just level up as you go along kind of thingy it's kind of like how life and your age works oh that's how the if end you... game works but yeah 
Have you seen Have you seen Sean Connery? Life works exactly like in World of Warcraft. When you reach an, <laughs> reach an age, you stop leveling. <laughs> True. <laughs> start with MMOs and uh, does anyone have any Ultima Online experiences here? Oh, I do. George, oh, have do you played you all? Do we start with the humble beginnings of the Commodore 64 with the Neverwinter Night and just explain <laughs> that that's where the the first one, first games came from. There's the the, oh, there's the, the muds as well, right? Yeah. I think the muds uh, are the... the, the, I, pl- the I played a mod called uh, Bad Mod. Right. Back in the day, it was uh, back in secondary school, I guess, <laughs> when we had when when the computers just didn't couldn't couldn't do anything else but anything else except uh, run Word. But you had right. a Telnet client, and yeah. you could use that Telnet client to access uh, mod. That cool. was pretty cool. Playing mud was pretty much one of the first things I did when I got internet. But I was playing muds even before that. Like I used to go dial like even international BBSs to play stuff, and I was really addicted to Legend of the Red Dragon, which was a very popular BBS store. Just kind of mud in itself. Like you do combat and you you can walk through dungeons and you have like equipment and you can shop and stuff. It's pretty cool for the time. All done character based and. <laughs> There were co- there was color, but yeah. So, um, what is a mud? <laughs> it's a multi-user dungeon. Okay, cool. Might so, be good to explain f- such things for listeners. <laughs> sure. So, and I think me, MMOs started from from muds. Muds are multi-user dungeons. It's basically a text interface to kind of a choose-your-own-adventure game, but other users are in there as well, and you can get like challenge to pvp or collaborate or something and do stuff like that uh it's all textual and you just input your comments in text like open door cool yeah i think um, it was the first attempt of trying to bring D from pen and paper to something more online yeah totally it was the the first form of interactive D, like automated D, let's say uh, besides, I guess, the Choose Your Own Adventure books, which were kind of the same in a way, but without other people on it, right? Which makes it tons, tons of fun. By 1996, I think, uh, Richard Garrett was very much a fan of MUD back then. He's always been a big, big fan of Gygax's work and D&D and stuff. And he said, you know what? I have this Ultima series going and they had made this horrible Ultima 8 pagan that nobody liked. And he saw the internet was a thing back then and he thought, I'll take my game and make it like a MUD. And that's how Ultima Online was born. It still has... So, Ultima Online is like this 2D, 3D isometric game 
which is very much reminiscent of the graphics of Ultima 8 for whoever has played it. And it's very rudimentary in the sense that like you, you have buttons that you have to click to, to do actions. Uh, your inventory is actually like all scattered over the place. There's no grid or anything to organize. It's just icons in a bag background. Um, you interact with the NPCs talking to them. So kind of like I said, you have to op say open door in a mud. And Ultima Online, you'd go up to the banker and say, hi, I want to check my bank. And then your bank would open up and you could store stuff away. Or you could go to the town crier and say, hey, what's news? And he'd give you the news of the day, which was... That was quite cool. Pretty fun, yeah. Same for buying and selling from NPCs and shit. Uh, it had a very deep crafting system. Like, you could there's stuff you could only create with crafting that wasn't available in NPCs. Mining was really, really hard. Uh, people used mo uh, macro tools to actually mine for the whole day. <laughs> With their computers on and it was all about grinding back then one of the coolest thing about Ultima Online I think is that it didn't have classes at all you had a skill cap of 750 and skills were anything from like sword fight or bowry to riding horses or uh, taxology or like fishing uh, well, those are kind of the common ones, but you have everything, like even charm animals. <laughs> like pick the, the, the skill list from D&D and everything would be there. Everything that you can possibly want to do would be there, which was very, very fun. Even music was in there, like you could learn how to play a lute or the bongo and it would make a silly sound like dum 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 and if you failed it would play wrong <laughs> it was really fun you could have like all these crazy characters that can sword fight but have magic as well or like you know there were people that were only crafting characters and they were kind of like merchants cool. in Odom Online and you had the official Odom Online from Origin but there were also tons of private servers so Odomo Online had, for instance, the concept of weight. Stuff you put in your bag actually weighs you down. And if you're walking on a full suit of armor, then you can't really run. Some of the, the private servers did away with that. They did away with the skill cap as well. So you could have like every skill in the game and have kind of like a god character. <laughs> Which was tons of fun because the content on the game was challenging. Uh, there were dungeons, there were no raids, there were, the dungeons weren't instanced or anything, uh, but they were dark, so it was kind of atmospheric, it felt, the dungeons felt a bit like Diablo 1 back in the day. I used to run a small server, actually in Ultima Online they're called Shards, they're all shards of the original Britannia that shattered. And it was tons of fun, like... <laughs> I remember being an admin and just running while ghosted uh, between players and then I just show up and greet people. And there was a very, very nice community around the private servers. Like people weren't jerks, <laughs> but people actually appreciated the work you put into stuff. I probably spent, well, I learned to code C-sharp just to, to code stuff for my OMO online server. 
that ran cool. run UO. Um, the implementation was kind of shit in the sense that it put everything in memory. But on the other hand, that's also very cool because it's very object-oriented. But you had to have like 8 gigs of RAM back in Pentium 2 days to <laughs> run this thing on. Yeah. That would have costed about as much as a car back then. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had a 2 gig Pentium 2 and we had like events like Capture the Flag which would actually eventually by, uh, be named by the players Crash the Server instead of Capture the Flag. <laughs> Whenever we had more than 30 people online, we'd just go down. And the crazy thing is the emulator didn't even have um, a database. It would just serialize the whole in-memory graph to a file. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it worked. Yep. So, did you do you have any stories like, uh, for example, uh, the the biggest biggest story in Ulti Ultima Online was that the one of the first people to get perma banned out of out of the game was this guy who uh, who decided that well Lord British was in the game and he was creating people and he cast yeah. a firewall on top of him and killed yeah. the guy. Yeah, he managed to kill Lord British. That was yeah. really fun. Well, Lord British has been in all Ultima games, right? And he was invincible in all of them except for Ultima 7, I think, where you actually get to kill Lord British. But yeah, in UO... There are ways to kill him in every game. But I remember I remember in Ultima 6, you could bring a cannon into his throne room. Right. You could blast him with a cannon and he'd still be okay. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, he got banned. Um, I myself don't have a lot of fun stories to share, except for like, I remember cutting log and mining for two months to put together money to actually buy house parts and have my first house. There was housing in Odomo Online. I think it's one of the only or one of the few MMORPGs that actually had housing, and it was just permanent housing on the map, no instanced areas whatsoever. Uh, and, the, yeah, and the house could decay. Yeah, the house would decay, and people could claim it. And people could raid your house as well. There was lockpicking, for instance, uh, as a skill in Odom Online, and they could just pick your lock and pick your chest lock and get stuff out of it. Jesus. <laughs> was one big fun experiment like when i got into uo they already had separate pvp and pve areas but in the beginning everything was pvp except in town well even in town you could pvp but you'd get killed by the guards yeah it's uh, they they learned the hardware that people are kind of dicks yeah <laughs> <laughs> The next evolution of the MMO was EverQuest, and actually that's a lot closer to what we have uh, with World of Warcraft and such games today. But of course the uh, leveling was a lot slower. Well, and people say it should be called Evergrind, not EverQuest, right? Evercrack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Evercrack for how addictive it was, but Evergrind for what you actually ended up doing in the game. <laughs> 
But yeah, EverQuest was fun. Did you guys play it? Nope. No, uh, I saw lots of things things about it though when when it was the big thing. Um, one of the things one of the things I was saying uh, when when that was around was that why the those the people that that are paying monthly for a game they must be idiots. <laughs> <laughs> then WoW came out. Yeah. <laughs> now you have ten million idiots giving Blizzard money. Well. 5 million now, but last year was 10 million. So, um, so I know, uh, I, I, well, well, there's, there's a, EverQuest was, uh, lots of the features in World of Warcraft are actually from EverQuest originally. The, the developers of World of Warcraft are, some of them are old EverQuest developers. Yeah, it was heavily inspired by EverQuest, but actually, It's the development of both games kind of started, I think, with one or two years of difference. Um, but Blizzard took all, took their time to, to release well, something they used to do back in the day, like it's done when it's done. They don't do that anymore because Activision cracks the whip. But, you know. And EverQuest, I think it was built on top of the Quake 2 engine, if I'm not mistaken. So it was the first 3D. MMO or the first 3D mud. In the beginning, it was very much a mud in the sense that, like, there was not much to do. There were no quests, <laughs> despite the name. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> uh, they were added later in the game, but in the beginning, there was no quests. And people just had to explore the world and figure stuff out for themselves. Um... There was a lot of grinding involved, and there were some world dungeons uh, that were gradually introduced as well, but there were no instance dungeons, and I think Blizzard learned their lesson from there, kind of the, the, the hard way for EverQuest players. Like, people would just go into a dungeon say, anyone camping here? And if someone was camping there, then they, they wouldn't go in if they were polite, or if they weren't polite, they just go in and grief people. Yeah, there were there were actual actual live live queues for a dungeon. So there would yeah. be a queue of people waiting to uh, kill 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 whatever's in the dungeon. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty insane. They released like some top tier weapons into the the third or fourth expansion to the game, and I think only 100 people had that per server. Not something crazy like that. Because they they required a very long quest chain. And like every quest didn't have proper quests. You didn't have a quest log or anything. You just go and talk up to an NPC and he'd give you a hint. And you, you'd have to chase it further down. Damn. Which I, I think is really awesome. Like you're in this big world and you're interacting with people. And you're kind of following what they, they say. But... You have to figure stuff out on your own. And I think a lot of the games out there these days, except for Minecraft and, and the like, are not giving you the opportunity to, to figure your own path and, and struggle your way through a world. Yeah, you have to figure out yourself where Monocrick's wife is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, games nowadays tend to have a lot of um, parallel quests going constantly so you'd, it'd be almost impossible to keep track of it so True, they kind it, of 
you, you could also put a question mark on the quality of those quests, because... Yes. I mean, World of Warcraft, for sure, we'll get there when we talk about World of Warcraft, but it's all about quantity over quality. <laughs> uh, lots, of, lots of games of that era, they, they did have a, a log of things that you'd... Uh, a quest log that had a hint, like... For example, you go talk to this guy, and his hut is northeast of this place. Yeah, and uh, it's it, but it didn't give you coordinates. It didn't give you an arrow to pointing where <laughs> the, where the guy is. But the the hint is there. You go to the yep. town, and then uh, you go where, wherever that town is, and then you go northeast from the town, and then you go search the area to find the hut. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like you had a bunch of quests and you didn't have any any kind of uh, hints. It was just that the hints were they, were they were a lot more subtle, if you can call it that. Yeah, there, it was a lot less specific, right? You you yeah. had to do some finding out for yourself, and you, by doing that, you got to explore the world and like learn your way the hard way. Which was fun. Uh, I think by the time EverQuest came out, there was also the series of games called Gothic going on. Gothic was pretty much yeah. like that. Like, you just talk to people, they give you pointers, but you'd actually have to go after stuff and, you know, wander around for an hour before you found out who you're supposed to talk to or what you're supposed to do. Yeah. To me, that actually reminds me a lot of um, uh, the Zelda games I've played. So. Yes and no. Like Zelda kind of riffs on the the classic JRPG thing of you going to town and talking to a few people until you find the right guy with a clue, and then you go and and find stuff out. Um, Gothic was more about like they give you a certain place to go, but you actually have to figure out where that place is and what you're supposed to do there. And you don't get a fairy, a fairy constantly going, hey, listen, hey, listen. True. <laughs> I think it all depends on why you play the game. There are a lot of people that play the game for the lore, for the stories, for the actual RPG experience. There are many yeah. people, such as myself, that play just for playing it. For example, I've played most of World of Warcraft and I've read... One two percent of the stories, lore, quests, side quests, and all videos. Right. So basically, it depends why you're playing. And yeah, I guess so. I've read like about twelve World of Warcraft novels by now. <laughs> so I guess we play a different game, even though we play the same <laughs> game. Yeah, that's so. dedication. <laughs> Uh, between uh, between EverQuest and World of Warcraft, we, there were there were a couple of MMOs still. Uh, Dark Age of Camelot. I never played that. I did play MMOs around that time already, but they weren't the the main main uh, Western MMOs, as you could call them. <laughs> right. Um, we'll talk about those later. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, so, so Dark Age of Camelot. I I heard. 
I heard mostly stuff about the realm versus realm combat. Yeah, not too much. It was it was really the the, the big point of Dark Age of Camelot. So like PvP in Odoma Online, you didn't have factions. Well, there were factions introduced at some point, but they didn't really catch on. And in EverQuest, you didn't have factions either. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Next episode. Uh, but Dark Age of Camelot. You started out and you had to choose, are you on the, the blue side or the red side? I don't remember the name of the kingdoms anymore. And they'd have weekly raids to, to each other's side. And you have like this massive PvP clashes trying to take the other side's castle. Which was amazing for the time and was a new experience for everyone. And I think it has inspired a lot games like World of Warcraft with their battlegrounds and Guild Wars, which was very much centered around I think what uh, 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 the battleground for WoW they came quite a bit later. Yeah. They, 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 we had we had player versus player combat, but it was this kind of uh, self-organized thing. So we we had like city raiding. We had we had we had, we had like 100 people deciding that well, now we're gonna well, now we're gonna go to Stormwind and. Uh, fuck everyone's shit up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that was that. That was that was PvP in the beginning of WoW. Yeah. And uh, that stopped uh, when Battlegrounds were released. That stopped happening. Well, it still did happen. I think I, I've like I've played from 2006 on, and in 2006 I I still did some raids to South Shore and and stuff. They, even to to Stormwind, the AOC's gift to the world really was the the faction versus faction PvP, and it was a fun game in itself. It was really like EverQuest uh, graphics-wise, they were about the same level, like you know, papercraft 3D models, <laughs> kind of very edgy, <laughs> very triangly. Uh, the combat was a bit more evolved than in EverQuest. But overall, they were kind of the same game. That was the big differentiator. So, um, should we go go to? Uh, should we get to World of Warcraft? We actually talked about talked about that game quite a bit. <laughs> we had we 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 did we were talking about it during that expansion talk, but we could talk about the earlier days without the the complaining. We already complained quite a bit. Yeah. So, uh, World of World of Warcraft was the uh, probably for a lot of people it's going it was uh, the first time they were exposed to a lot of the concepts uh, that were that some people had already seen in Dark Age of Camelot, EverQuest and Ultima Online. But what it also did was it made them quite a bit more accessible. Leveling up was actually quite fast compared to those previous games. Well, there's the, the main change of World of Warcraft to the previous MMOs was really the questing, right? Because like quests used to be the side thing you do in Ultima, EverQuest, the AOC. And in World of Warcraft, they made it centerpiece and they took away the grinding, like, you know, Final Fantasy style, just go around killing shit until you level up and gave you a purpose with quests. Yeah, 
at least for the first 40 levels or so. There were some incidences where you had to seriously start, just start gr grinding. I remember that much, at least for the early, earlier days, but the main part is that you did quests rather than kill shit, just for the sake, the sake of killing shit. True. And uh, on, one of the things is that uh, the game was a lot more structured, in, in a sense, yeah, I mean, all of the things had a purpose. You didn't have a, you, you didn't have a class that couldn't fight. All the classes could fight, but you could also, uh, uh, you had professions all of the gathering of leather and making stuff out of leather. All of that had been done before, but it was more structured. True, though in, in some ways in World of Warcraft, uh, crafting took less of a center stage than it did in Ultima Online. So the difference being in Ultima Online, you wouldn't get like great loot from dungeons and big monsters. You'd get okay loot, but you wouldn't get like this top tier sword or the best armor you could get. To, get, to do those, you, you'd have to talk to someone who was a blacksmith and have yeah. him do an armor for you. And in World of Warcraft, crafting was always seen like this kind of like leveling help that you could yeah. get by with somewhat better equipment so you could face dungeons and stuff that were your level. But player economy-wise, it never took off. Yeah, well, the main issue with uh, crafting in World of Warcraft was that uh, you were a certain level, and if you crafted uh, stuff at that level, usually what happened was that it would be worse stuff that you'd be getting from the dungeons at the same levels that you are crafting. So yeah. it's kind of <laughs> you 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 made stuff to sell it, and nobody bought it because they <laughs> because you could get better stuff out of dungeons. Yeah. <laughs> The only things that you could actually sell are like stuff that were used in other recipes for other professions. Like you need like I think it's a copper rod that you make with blacksmithing for enchanting, yeah. and like that stuff sold really well. But selling is another big point of World of Warcraft. So Odima Online didn't have vendors at all. EverQuest at some point got non-player vendors. Uh, or actually player vendors that you could just like put an NPC and stock your stuff up and then somebody would have to go to your NPC and buy your stuff off. Uh, World of Warcraft introduced the concept of an auction house where you'd have like the central eBay of items. I was under the impression that Ultima Online had uh, user-created stores. I think you could sell your stuff. Yeah, you could sell your stuff, that's true, but it was added in a later expansion, and I think it was an expansion that after WoW came out. Really? I could be wrong, though. Another cool feature of World of Warcraft Vanilla were languages. Oh, yeah. So, if you were an orc, you'd know Orcish by default and the common tongue of the Horde. Um, but you could learn other languages as well. And like whenever you try to speak something in a different language, it would come out as gibberish first. And the more you spoke it, the more, the better, like it would actually print out your text in that language. Cool. And if you wanted to talk to people from the other faction, you'd actually have to learn the common, common language or their own native language. And you could talk to them, but Blizzard cut that off in Burning Crusade. Oh, that seems like a pretty cool feature. Yeah. And what they also did with the, the PvP in Burning Crusade was that they, instead of, well, 
in the beginning, uh, before Burning Crusade, when they introduced the battlegrounds, they had they the factions had uh, some variation between the classes. So the so the uh, horde side had uh, they had they had shamans. Yeah, and the the ally, alliance side had uh, paladins. And with uh, with Burning Crusade, they just said, "Fuck it, we'll just give the horde side blood elf paladins." Yeah, and, and then, then the they get Cataclysm. They shit on the D and D book and made like dwarf mages. Yeah. And uh, with uh, with with wrath, they just started going nuts with the. <laughs> so they, they they turned the PvP in a, in they uh, kind of changed it so that neither side had any any benefits. True. So they they were there weren't any differences. They were there was no point in picking horde or alliance because you get get the same same stuff anyway well depending on the server you'd be on yeah. the bitter end or not right like there's yeah. servers that have like nine to one horde or nine to one alliance <laughs> damn that, that just meant that the queues at the side that was losing they they were much shorter so you got you got into the game instantly while if you were on the winning side then you just you had to wait for one hour or two hours to get into a battlegrounds. Mm, in my experience, it was the other way around. Like everyone in the the, the small side of the server would know each other and would play v really well in a battleground together as a group. Whereas the other side would be completely disorganized and people would just be trying to get like honor points and killing other people instead of going for the objectives and screw up. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but the, but the main thing was that they were all from the same server. Because to kind of alleviate this issue, they laid, later had the uh, server pool, so they had servers connected to each other. So what happened was that nobody actually knew each other when they were playing battlegrounds any anymore, because they were all coming from different servers. Yeah. Now they're doing that for leveling areas as well, because I think they want to like save some money on servers. So whatever area that's not very popular you'd actually be playing from people from basically all Europe servers together in one area which makes farming old stuff really hard but getting back to, to Vanilla Wall, I think one of the coolest things that World of Warcraft did was instance dungeons, it was something unspoken of at the time and like instead of these physical cues to get into a dungeon and, and get your loot out or like an Ultima Online where people would just go into a dungeon and if there was someone already there they wouldn't care and they would get their kill anyway. <laughs> Ultima Online was really trolly. But uh, World of Warcraft had instance dungeons and they had meaningful boss fights as well. Um, and it was the first time that it was like that. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's probably the first game also they introduce kind of like role-based, um, well, that you had to actually have a role-based party and you need to ha needed to have a tank and a healer and three damage dealing classes to actually get stuff done. I think they really focused on this fact. I think they emphasized it a lot and it was one of the main reasons that they tried to balance out all the classes. Yeah, which remains an issue to this day in the sense that uh, first of all, like pro rating people, they actually figure out what classes do the, deal the most DPS or best at tanking and don't want anyone from the, the lower uh, damage dealing classes in, in their ranks, which is kind of sad. On the other hand, Blizzard's constantly tweaking the balance for PvP mostly. Yeah. And that kind of ruins the PvE game for a lot of people. I myself, I love playing Hunters. I loved Hunters in vanilla. Like, in vanilla, you had to actually become friends with your pet. And every time he died, you'd lose friendship points. And you could give him, like, you could feed him and gain friendship points back. And you actually cared about the thing. Um, these days, there's nothing of that left anymore. You can just... And your pet would level up with you as well, which made you not want to switch pets very often. Uh, now you can just trade them like they're Pokemon, and uh, <laughs> it doesn't make any difference what kind of beast you tame, except if they're rare beasts, because you can just say, yeah, learn to be a tank or learn to be a damage dealing pet. So basically, Nintendo could just buy World of Warcraft and rebrand it World of Pokemon. Oh, totally, but that's not the only the only Pokemon-ish feature. So hunters have this Pokemon-style pets now, but there's also what used to be cosmetic pets in World of Warcraft, and now they let you put your cosmetic pets to battle with someone else's cosmetic pets. <laughs> and you can also catch them in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> and put, put them in your pocket, so you have yeah. a pocket monster. Exactly. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Beginning, uh, uh, in the beginning, I remember the uh, raids used to be 40 people. Yeah, which was insane. I mean, just look it up on YouTube. Yeah. Onyxia's Lair Vanilla was crazy. Yeah, but the funny, I have, I have a funny, funny story of this. Um, uh, it's not my story. It's from my big brother when he was still playing. He got into a, uh, a public raid. Yeah, and uh, some of the guys were talk uh, telling him that he should stop using double swords. He should get a shield. Right. And he went into the raid anyway. And <laughs> one of the one of the mobs uh, dropped this kind of a trash shield, like gray. <laughs> and he decided, okay, so this is a shield. I'll use this. Oh shit! And, and he was <laughs> he was kicked out of the raid group. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder. Uh, he he had another story where he went to uh, Shadowfang Keep. Yeah. Okay. This was this was just me. Him being mean. So they finished the instance, and he's a warrior. Yeah. So uh, the uh, boss drops uh, robes of Arugal. 
right? Which is a cloth item made for yeah. mages. Made for mages. So he rolls it and he gets it. <laughs> and uh, what he does is he puts the robes on and tells, <laughs> oh. tells them, tells, tells the people, look at how cool I look. And then teleports away. <laughs> <laughs> That's so mean. I remember, like, one of my first SFK runs uh, together with my wife. We, we've played WoW together since 2007. I actually managed to get her hooked on it. And we've never stopped playing. Um, the, the robes of Aragal dropped. And then there was this other guy who was a mage. We were on, like, our seventh run of Shadowfang Keep. Because back then you used to spend like at least a week, more like a month on a 10 level tier and you actually needed the gear to be able to, to go further. Um, yeah. And it dropped and then they she rolled need, but the other guy who was, she was a priest and the other guy was a mage, he rolled need as well. And they both rolled 100. And like the guy rolled first and he got a 100. And he's like, yeah, I got us. And then she rolls and she rolls a 100 as well. And she gets it. <laughs> the guy was so pissed. But then she she would be very pissed if like for her seventh run of Shadowfang Keep. And like a run was two, three hours long and you die a ton of times. Uh, yeah. We didn't get it. So we, we did get the robes, which was... Awesome. That's one thing as well that I think is unique to World of Warcraft, or that actually World of Warcraft introduced to the genre, which is rolling for loot. Uh, this used to be done manually, I think, by raiding guilds before, like either by rolling dice or by the dragon kill point system, which basically means like if you were part of a boss kill, you'd get kill points, and then you could spend your kill points to actually claim dibs on the loot of a certain boss and world of warcraft introduced this need greed die automatic dice roll system where like if you really really want the item you can roll for need and then everybody else that wants the item rolls for need on 100 dice and whoever gets the highest roll takes it or you roll greed and then that says like oh i don't need it but if no one else needs it as well then we might sell for good this one, this was only used for public raids and dungeons, though. All big guilds had uh, DKP points. Yeah, yeah. So, it, I'm not quite sure how many people play played WoW just with public dungeons. Didn't you eventually end up in a guild? I played for the largest time uh, as a solo player. I had like a few friends that I just made on the map, like questing together and we'd say, let's hit this dungeon. Then we'd go on on trade and just say, looking for more <laughs> uh, for half an hour till we found enough people. But eventually I joined the guild, yeah. But I never got to the upper tiers of the guild I joined. Then I formed my own guild in Burning Crusade. And we, we did some upper tier uh, dungeons and we tried Karazhan but we didn't get past Karazhan so we didn't get into the KP either A 
should we move on to Guild Wars? Did anyone else play Guild Wars except me, by the way? I did play Guild Wars. Not too much, but I did play it. Like, I thought it was really cool not to have to play to pay a subscription when I was a broken student. Yeah. <laughs> George? Yeah, I've only played Guild Wars 1 and 2 on private servers, so my experience might be a bit different. Okay. Uh, well, I played a shit ton of Guild Wars. The main main thing is that you get to the level cap quite quickly. It, yeah. You could get there within the first day, but the level cap wasn't the point. The point was that you got all of, all of these skills by capturing them from other enemies, and the point was to collect all of these skills. Or you could go to these uh, play player versus player arenas, and you could play you could play PvP, and you could actually you could actually create a character that was on the skill cap, and well the, the level cap right away, so you could just go play PvP, and you could buy these uh, skills with uh, these these kinds of uh, divine points, and. Uh, what happened? What 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 happened was if you bought these skills, where these skills they weren't just for your character, they were for your whole account. So there were something like 150 skills in the beginning, right? And uh, uh, it took a while for you to get them all, but it was still something quite doable. And uh, they, I think, what. ArenaNet was doing with, with the game originally. The intention was to have this kind of, maybe you could call it an esports game now. Yeah, that was their plan. They were having these kinds of big tournaments for the first year or two. Yeah, they wanted to be the next Quake, right? Back then. Yeah, and uh, the the game was eight versus eight, so you needed quite a bit of coordination. We had a match, and we enter the match, and we look at the names, and we see Hangul, and we are already like, oh shit, we are against Koreans, we have no right. chance. And uh, we run towards the center of the map, and we see nothing. Nothing's happening. Hmm. Okay, so uh, what was happening on their on their side of the screen? They had they had this kind of team composition. They had they had. Uh, Three monks and uh, three necromancers, or and uh, then they had, and then they had uh, another, then they had another two monks, and uh, the two monks were uh, the the two monks were constantly killing each other. The necromancers were reviving those monks <laughs> as zombies, and the monks monks uh, casted uh, uh, resurrect on the monks. So. They they were doing doing this long enough that they had forty to fifty zombies against us when we when Jeez. we actually realized what was happening. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> Damn. The game must have lagged pretty badly if you, if they had forty zombies on something that's supposed to have eight player models running around. Uh, it wasn't too bad. I mean the the engine was actually quite quite uh, quite well done, and uh, yeah. So, but it was it was it was uh, some the, the early days of Guild Wars. Guild Wars PvP were just crazy. <laughs> and were, uh, the, the guys from ArenaNet, they kind of I think they left Blizzard after Diablo One, wasn't it? And yeah, 
because they wanted to make Guild Wars and Blizzard didn't want to have anything to do with it. And uh, yeah, and they went they went to NCSoft and NCSoft is a is a Korean company. Yeah. And NCSoft published Guild Wars and uh, in the in the in the later in the later later versions they had some free to play stuff going because uh, they you you bought the game and you didn't pay a monthly fee but then they introduced some free free to play stuff like getting bigger big, uh, bigger inventories if you paid a bit right but none of none of that that was substantial none of that actually affected too much which is but, cool, uh, right? Like I, I think, especially in Korean MMOs, there's a lot of uh, pay to win. Yeah, which is not cool, but but it's good that you didn't do that of Guild Wars, and I think Blizzard kind of tries to stay away from that as well with World of Warcraft. And. Uh and after after the second uh, second expansion, which was Nightfall, they kind of announced that we are now now we're working on Guild Wars two, yeah. and they were <laughs> they made it, they they actually made it quite clear that they are making it more like a traditional MMO instead of this thing that's more about PvP and and. Uh, like for example, for for instance, the level cap thing in Guild Wars Two, that you have you actually have to play quite a quite a quite a bit further in that yeah. game to get the level cap done in Guild Wars. Uh, I thought it was kind of uh, I was kind of bummed because I liked that Guild Wars was doing something different, different, and Guild Wars Two barely is. But well, I think you're being unfair there. Like Guild Wars tries to be the wall killer. Uh, Guild, Guild Wars 2, I mean. Yeah. Um, the, the combat in Guild Wars is very much non-standard. Your class is determined by the, the, the weapon you're wielding just. Yeah. And they have, like, a lot of different things for you to do. Like, you have these waypoints you have to, to go to and explore. There's challenges where it's, like, this very uh, small world bosses... That you have to fight against, and they have this big world events going on as well. There's a lot of variety in Guild Wars 2, and they're still challenging the establishment in the sense that they don't charge subscriptions; they charge you for just the game, and they don't do more expansions, I think, than EverQuest 2 or WoW. So I, I don't know how they pay, they pay their bills, but they must be, must be smaller than Blizzard's. They are doing. They are doing some some similar. They were doing some little free to play stuff. I mean, like there you can. I think you can buy some cosmetic stuff and that kind of stuff. And yeah. now, now this either this year or the following year, early following year, there's going to be an expansion called Heart of Thorn. Yeah. And uh, funny thing, funny story. I was supposed to get a beta key for that. And they sent me an email with a with a key, yeah. And um, then I enter it, and it's for the wrong region. Oh shit! And and uh, then then I sent them a mail, and then they said, "Oh, okay. What happened was that all the Nordic people that 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 asked for a key, they all got faulty faulty keys." And there's nothing we can do about that. What? So better luck next beta. <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> that sucks. 
So, uh, yeah, Nordic countries are an important market area. What I found really cool about the first Guild Wars, um, I think it was the first MMO to have a looking for group system. Like, you could just queue up to do a mission, and then it would just bundle you with a bunch of other players, and you go do this thing that you seriously couldn't do on your own. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it had this automated system. Yeah, way before World of Warcraft had the same. And that solved a lot of the problem in World of Warcraft. On the other hand, like, I miss the the the, the vanilla WoW days where people would actually have to put some effort into putting a group together so people stuck to their group and they wanted to do till the end the dungeon they were about to do like these days you just join looking for a group they mash you up with people from other servers two minutes later you're in a dungeon with people that have been farming that dungeon all day long and all they do is like run 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 yeah the thing about the 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 system where you have to be shouting for for a group is that the system was working so that if you if you were, were an asshole and if you were trolling people then then you then when you were shouting looking for a group then someone else would shout that's the, that's the guy who, who <laughs> deserted us that's the guy who ninja all ninja or looked and stuff yeah. like that yeah Did Guild Wars 1 also include karma, or was it something that was added into? No, no, it's, it wasn't. It didn't contain anything like that. PvP on Guild Wars 2 was pretty fun. Yeah, I think one of the main reasons why many people played it. Oh, I can say I've played any PvP. Like I got so trolled in Ultima Online with PvP that I don't want anything to do with pvp anymore i do battlegrounds occasionally on world of warcraft but i never do arenas and stuff no in guild wars it was more at least in two it was more like pk like playing killing so you would glow and stuff you'd uh, accumulate karma when you killed people that were not willing to fight or something right yeah that's what i hate because <laughs> then there, there's people that just camp killing noobs that are trying to just go about their business. But at least the game highlights them as bad karma. Yeah, yeah. great, so you know who's gonna kill you. Just stay the fuck away. <laughs> there were actually some Asian MMOs. I think Lineage 2 did this, where you had this karma system. What it added to that karma system was that uh, you had this gem in front of your name. It, if it was green, you were behaving well. If it was yellow, then the people knew that you were somewhat misbehaving. If it was black, then people knew that you were behaving uh, shittily. Uh, you were killing other people, uh, other other players that were either way below you or didn't fight back. Right. But when your gemstone was black, it also meant that when you enter a town, the town guards will attack you. <laughs> I guess 
I guess Alex hasn't been too into EVE Online if he hates PvP. No, not really, not really. I, I do have this admiration, like the this platonic relationship with EVE Online. Um, so for those who don't know, EVE Online is kind of like this huge sandbox game where there's little to no NPC interaction and everything is run by players. So it's a lot like the real world, like you, you get to do jobs for another person and get paid for them or just go find your own resources and sell them, like say you were planting weed and you can sell the weed. Uh, <laughs> And in the upper tier of things, there's like big, big corporations being run by real people. Uh, there's CEOs of corporations in EVE and people that live only out of like Wall Street style trading, buying, buying low, selling high. And there's points in time where like a new planet would be found with a ton of resources. And there would be this huge PVP fights of several factions or corporations or whatever you want to call them that are interested in the same thing and you have like each side with a thousand ships fighting each other in space which looks awesome in the videos i don't know how cool it is to take part in but it, it just looks awesome yeah i think from the little i played from the game it's uh, it all sounds a lot cooler than looks a lot cooler than it actually is in that I mean you spent quite a bit of time just mining resources for your next ship <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's still grinding heavy which is yeah. very well against the the trend of MMOs these days but I think if you're really in to put like one year of your life into it, then you start getting to the fun part. So, what kind of uh, experiences do people have with uh, Korean and Chinese MMOs? I, I'm sure all of us have some kind of experiences from those. About mm, I would be the exception of not having an experience with it. Well, you've just played Destiny, right, Jim? That's your first MMO? Pretty much. Well, maybe 10 hours of Final Fantasy XIV, but I'm not sure that properly counts as properly playing an MMO. You haven't played Glitch or something? No. Yeah. I did maybe 6 hours of World of Warcraft back in 2005 as part of my 10-day trial, but that was it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. you guys keep talking now. <laughs> George, played any Korean stuff? Uh, I'm not quite sure. I think the oldest, the first Korean game I think I played was uh, Night Online. It was right. Called KO. Uh, it was, I think, the first day I started. Some a friend bumped us onto top level, and we started PvPing. It was very fast action game, it had very little to do with skill set and very much to do on how quickly you could mash buttons. Right, the, the combat there was a bit 
involved, wasn't it? It was more like an action game than an MMO. Like, yeah. You don't just sit and press numbers. Yeah. People were people that actually played it a lot were very into it and were very fun to watch play. They would just keep smashing the keyboard down, and whenever they were in low health, they would uh, press a key to open the chat and paste. A million times, uh, the words was I think slash town or something to teleport them instantly to town. <laughs> <laughs> That's cheap. It was very weird because I was used to normal MMORPGs, and this was very, very intense and very worrisome. In World of Warcraft and Lineage and Guild Wars and EverQuest, you would just be uh, sit back sitting back on your chair and just pressing one, two, one, two, something like this. It was yeah, very... Yeah. You just needed to make sure you know what was happening on your screen, to know what buffs, debuffs there were on you, on the mob. Uh, if you were a healer or a tank, you would be trying to pay attention to what other people are doing if someone needs help. In KO, there was only PvP, and it was just press anything to kill any someone around you. <laughs> Sounds more like my kind of game. <laughs> I like like direct action combat. I think I think I was supposed to try Night Online, but the issue was that a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Korean and Chinese games from that era had this thing where they wanted to install some install some kind of add-on into yeah. Internet Explorer Six. Yeah, and I didn't trust them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they were they were region locked as well, right? I think I tried playing Night Online and it was region locked to Korea only uh, for a while, and then I think eventually they released to to Western markets. But I wasn't interested anymore. I did play a ton of Ragnarok online, though. Um, yeah. So I kind of got well. I was running my Odom online server, um, and then I got married, and then I didn't have the money to keep the server running, so I went for a while without an MMO, and then my wife started searching for an MMO, and Ragnarok Online had just entered officially Brazil, uh, where I was living back then, and we just tried it out, and she really liked it, so I stuck around for a bit, and then it was serious grinding in Ragnarok like you'd have to grind three days, four days to get a level well the, well, the coolest part was that uh, uh, you got like like in uh, WoW uh, you'd, you'd be able to sit if you if you had a battle and you wanted to regenerate health you, health you, need, you needed to yeah. sit yeah yeah but for in Ragnarok Online, you needed to be level five before you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> True. So, the first dungeon so, was level five too, wasn't it? Hmm? The first dungeon you could go into was also level five, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. And you had and the and you needed to so you, you to get to uh, to ha to have an actual class because you started out as a new uh, a beginner. Oh, true! You had like this yeah. butter knife. You start, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and to you could only keep something once you got a class. Yeah, 
It's it was there were there were these things called porings. This yeah. kind of uh, kind of like a slime. Purple, uh, this kind of pink blobs. Yeah. Those were the only things you could could have had any hope of killing. Yeah. Till you were like something like level ten. And then you could kill four <laughs> porings, which were tougher versions of porings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were green, I think. Yellow. 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 Okay. Anyway, um, so uh, so to get a class, you needed to go to a dungeon. And those dungeons, uh, before you c- could get into a dungeon, you had to, had to grind quite a bit to un- so you don't get killed. <laughs> yeah. And the game, the- well, the cool thing is the game didn't hold your hand too much on that. Like, yeah. You just go and have to figure things out for yourself, get killed in the dungeon, and then go back to grinding. But Yeah. Yeah, for me, the grinding was just a bit too much. Like, I remember being three, four months in, and I stopped playing, but my wife kept on, and she was on her third week of killing trees to get past level 15. And it was the same tree over and over again, because it gave the most XP. <laughs> I, I got to <laughs> level 14 before I quit. Yeah. And I, saw, I saw people in the, in the level, uh, level 50, I think, with the cap, so yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Not doing that. Well, my reaction instead of quitting was like, I went on to uh, having my Odom Online private server experience. Yeah. I went on to look for Ragnarok Online private servers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we eventually found one that had like a thousand times faster XP gains. So you could actually get a level within two, three days. <laughs> <laughs> two, three days? Yeah. With acceleration by a thousand? Yeah. So they expect you to gain a level every, like, four years, normally? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Jesus. And we played there for a while. Um, then they were recruiting um, something, someone for the, the admin t- team of the server. They needed someone with some SQL experience. I did an interview with them, and this chick that did the server maintenance for, for them, she was a C-freak. And C was the only thing she knew. She knew shit about SQL. So she, I said, yeah, I know some C. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to test your C to see if your SQL is good. Which doesn't make any fucking sense. And she kept on t- throwing this meta template thing from C, which is very obscure. Like, I have a C background. C was one of the first languages I picked up. I basically spent all of my first year of high school learning C during the classes, just learning KNR's book. But... I failed her test and I was so pissed that they rejected me that I said, you know what, I'll make my own server and I'll rank you guys out. (laughs) (laughs) And so I did. Um, My server was called eShadowRO and at peak moments we had like 300, 400 people online. Tried, I think I tried Ragnarok Online once in 2004, right? Just before WoW came out, and then I tried it later, like five or six years later. Someone, some, someone had had the bright idea. Let's try this again. Um, what happened was I booted it up, I logged in. I had to create a new account because they had purged all the old, older accounts. Uh, and I log in, and uh, 
the loading screens were made in paint. Oh god. MS Paint. Uh, they okay. had they, they 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 had this thing where they had accepted uh, fan work, <laughs> fan work as uh, for their loading screens, and they weren't too discerning on what what that fan work was. So they were they were they were actual actual loading screens made in MS Paint by seven year olds, and I'm this this is not something I'm exaggerating. This is something that actually was there. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get uh, shot into this uh, training room that wasn't there before, and you had to do you had to do some silly uh, silly beginning quests, uh, which were which were like go go from from one one part of the map to the other, and. Uh, in true Korean fashion, it, t- it takes you, it takes you like one hour to do that. <laughs> nice. It was, it was, yeah, it was just bad. Then I decided, okay, I've had enough of this game for my whole lifetime. I think, I think the, <laughs> I think the MS Paint loading screens were the sign that this isn't something you should try. <laughs> yeah, that that's a pretty um, stark warning sign straight up front. But uh, I'm assuming I could link to the music because the music is pretty dope in this game. Cool. We could have it have it on the background right now. You should be listening. You should be listening to it right now. Through the magic of editing. Yeah. Because we can't hear it. One of the reasons I never played Ragnarok is that I didn't like the visual art style. I can accept Ultima Online because as it was an older school of graphics and it was... They were trying to make something nice and real life. Not real life, but still. But Ragnarok Realistic was, feeling. Yeah, Ragnarok was very something that was made for an anime or kids or something. Oh yeah, it was an anime lifestyle, uh, art style because it had yeah. a, it had an anime going for it and it was made for Asian markets. I don't, don't, I think it's just an aesthetic decision. I respect you not liking it, but like it's the closest thing to this day. I think is the closest thing to an MMO that looks like an anime. Yeah. Well, cool. there's Ragnarok Online too. True. <laughs> I didn't get to play that. Well, it's. Well, imagine those developers. Uh, they've. They imagine them playing World of Warcraft and then deciding, well, we have this base, which is the first game, and then we can do. We can copy all of the all of the stuff from <laughs> World of Warcraft, <laughs> and just make it more. Just make it more tedious. Yeah, make our art look crappier and more tedious. <laughs> then on the topic of, of failed MMOs, there was Dungeons & Dragons Online. Which was a, a very cool idea. Like they wanted to make the whole of the game be dungeons, 
and missions yeah. and well adventures really they had like a narrator uh that would be the game master telling you the, the background in the beginning and then you'd go off in this instance dungeon do your stuff uh get your loot level up and get out and rinse and repeat or be in town for a while um i thought like this is really gonna succeed because it's based off dnd and everybody loves dnd but it turns out like i think within six months it had turned free to play because no one was playing it. yeah and uh I, I like the idea of the the dungeons were designed in a way that you had a purpose for every class, so you have had you had to have a thief in your party because otherwise you'd be you'd be uh, you'd be killed by traps. Yeah. And uh, there were there was a bunch of other other things like that. So you you had to have a party that that ha- that was that had all of the all of the necessary classes. Otherwise, otherwise you, the dungeon either became really hard or it, impossible altogether uh later on they introduced solo dungeons solo version of the dungeons so that got people just kind of stopped playing <laughs> yeah group in groups they started playing solo i but think that was I, the demise of dnd online but maybe by then the player population had already gone low enough that they had to do it one of the things one of the things that kind of uh, uh, one of the things that's kind of probably the wrong way was the world they used because they didn't use Forgotten Realms; they used some other. Yeah, that's some true. some other other other. It was what was it called? Eberon or something? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, Eberon was this kind of. Uh, it had some shy, uh, it had some sci-fi shit in it, like the there were robots as yeah. one of the yeah. one of the <laughs> one of the main races there, and not I, in a in a steampunk kind of way, right? It was just like yeah. out of the blue. It's one of those oddball, like lesser-known D and D worlds. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I. I, I, it had potential, but sadly, <laughs> it didn't kind of, it didn't live up to that pot- uh, potential. No, sadly, no. I had a lot of expectation because I played a ton of Neverwinter Nights online, and yeah. people had like regular RPG sessions in that, and it was it was real cool. So. I was thinking, like, we covered the history of MMOs and went through every other MMO under the sun, but what about a look into the future? So, by the, the time WoW got released, I think about the same time EverQuest 2 got released. And EverQuest 2 never got past the 1 million player count, I think. While yeah. WoW had at peaks 10 million players paying subscriptions to, to play them. EverQuest 2 is now free to play and doesn't have that count. I thought um, the peak was like 15 million. Oh, was it? 
Yeah, didn't know. I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think so. If you include China and all, yeah. Yeah, China. China is a different case because they you can they weren't actually paying a monthly subscription. They were doing something completely different. Yeah. Yeah, but, but it's I, good for it's good for numbers, I guess. Yeah, it's good good for <laughs> farming enough. gold as well. Uh, <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is so since EverQuest two flopped, Sunny went back to the drawing board, and they came up with something they called EverQuest Next. So EverQuest Next has two facets to it. Uh, one of them is EverQuest Next proper. Um, that's kind of like a typical MMO, but more with a PvP focus. Kind of mm. like Guild Wars was. That's one side of it. And there's another thing called EverQuest Next Landscape. And EverQuest Next Landscape is basically Minecraft with better graphics. Interesting. So the question... I'm, I'm throwing you guys is our sandbox is the future of MMOs. No. Why not? I think. <laughs> I think. I think. I, I think. I think personally, it's going to go more more towards the Minecraft sandbox type than this kind of. I mean, lots. I know lots of people who have been saying that they are kind of done with this kind of theme park MMO type of game uh, yeah. they've been playing wow for long they've been playing games like rift which we didn't talk about but it's essentially a different take on wow yeah there's games like age of conan which are like which also are very similar to wow lord of the rings online elder yeah. scrolls online the list yeah. goes on and on yeah but any anyway this kind of theme park mmo where you have where you where you where you create a character and then you're given a bunch of quests to do and then there's an end game where you have some some dungeon that drops you some uh, drops you whatever any anyway that's uh, that's the that's the format and that's the format that has been going on since wow became popular but now people are people have started uh, people are bored of that they want something slightly different and uh, this kind of Minecraft st style game, even though Minecraft still exists, uh, the, that's the that's the thing MMOs are trying to. That's the audience MMOs are trying to capture. At least that's what I feel, because I've been seeing quite a bit of that kind of st uh, that those kind of games in early access, and then there's landscape and I don't know whether that's the future, but that's the at least the imme immediate future. That's that we're gonna have. I have no idea how well that they'll do. I'm not quite sure if I think that the future will be different or that I hope. So that might be a bit biased. But I think that next gen MMORPGs will have greater focus on the dynamics of the environment, but not in a way that Minecraft. Minecraft is doing, but rather in a way that you can affect the environment, make changes, make dynamic changes to the storyline. Um, you won't have uh, specific classes like current MMOs or even the things that 
the Secret World has been doing that is a bit more flexible, but rather go back to the original story like uh, Ultima Online that allows you to level up different things. So leveling uh, your skills and leveling your character will be two different things and that it would be closer to what first-person shooter MMO are we waiting for uh, by Ubisoft. What's the name of it? The Division. The Division, yeah. So The Division is closer to what I think the future MMORPGs will be like than Minecraft, where you have a specific premise for a story, but the game will be affected by its players. So what you're basically describing is EVE Online without the grinding. And without the spaceships. Yeah. But if if of if online is not exactly it's not a classic MMORPG because your character is Your chip. You yeah. So you basically level up your skill set in a more business like and decision-like way, what how you're gonna evolve is decide if you're gonna steal other people. Are you gonna mine? Are you gonna fight for it? Rather than allowing the the person to do whatever they actually want, form teams, form guilds, go on raids, uh, fight each other, so something more dynamic that will adapt to the player's needs on every server or super server or whatever yeah yeah i While think like same, yeah, we can ahead. safely say that the the future is procedurally generated generated <laughs> that like yeah. cookie cutter mmos are are done for and people don't want to play those anymore because they're i mean if you can read up stuff on a wiki why would you bother playing it and if you see it on youtube one time why do you even bother playing it but if it's your experience it's something different altogether right my son's playing this mmo called trove which is basically like minecraft third person uh turned dungeon crawling and i see him play it uh very avidly but and he's leaving well to the side like he used to enjoy well <laughs> but he's totally obsessive trove right now and it has crafting it has like you can change the world you can do housing and i think like owning a piece of the world and being a part of the story is what it's gonna be from now on i don't know how or when this will happen but i think the wow killer needs to ha needs to have completely different dynamics than wow had Jim, any thoughts? Yes, um, I'm trying to formulate thoughts, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to me, um, I, I haven't exactly played MMOs, um, aside from, well, Destiny, kind of. But to bring up Sword Art Online again, to some degree, the world that, it, that that paints is the kind of world I would like to play. And to some degree, that's why your description of Ultima Online sounded quite interesting to me, because it actually 
kind of feels like a a world that you kind of live and breathe in um and it's not just run by games and you can actually steal somebody else's house if you have a house there that house exists in the world other players can interact with it other players can do stuff to it it might not counter to the best gameplay experience if you bought a house and then some (laughs) other player comes and burns it down but it's that kind of dynamic is quite interesting to me um, because it is very much like the real world Um, you might need to put up some hindrance and so the common uh, event that happens isn't that your house gets burned down after you've bought it but um, that that the kind of option exists and you can have those kind of like realistic experiences Um, even like instance dungeons it makes sense from a gameplay gameplay point of view but I think it to some degree breaks the immersion in the world because as soon as you enter the dungeon you enter your own reality that is to you and only you other players that walk into that same space in the world they don't see what you're seeing true but it also allows for a story to be told in a proper way and with a a certain sequence of events that isn't possible when it's world accessible right so you have to balance out a bit things yes the question is can you kind of tell a story with other players there as well it it kind of depends on how you're trying to tell the story as well yeah that's true i mean you could potentially cater or or kind of get a story across through other means in such a way that having a completely fully um shared world works um sure if somebody happens to run into the room and and kill something in front of you um it might not be the case that only the person who gets the kill actually gets the loot but it's more just people in the area get the loot and whoever took the final kill is just forced to share the loot with whoever's around or whoever helped to deal damage against the enemy and things like that yeah guild wars Um, does that quite well like world events that actually share like everyone has individual loot and stuff yeah exactly destiny does the same thing as well except of course with destiny it's all rng so if i kill an enemy some loot might fall out of him but nothing fallouts for you or vice versa regardless of who killed them <laughs> it's right. the same with final fantasy 14 okay if you get if you try to attack someone uh, that another person has targeted first and attacked you'll share the xp yeah that's nice cool and you'll also yep. get um You'll your own version of the loot, I guess. Yeah. Not like shared the loot, but your own yeah, version. Yeah, exactly. Like the RNG Jim's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So no, but to come back to what I was kind of talking about, um, I like the premise of the world that Sword Art Online um sets up simply because it feels a lot more like a a living, breathing world. Um, cause, I mean, one of the reasons I like the the anime show is that it spends a lot of time delving into how people cope with physically being stuck in this kind of world 24 hours a day, and they just end up going about their normal lives. I mean, there's people that just decide to become bakers or run a restaurant or craft swords and stuff, and it's not necessarily what you would want to do in an actual real game that you're playing, but to me, it kind of helps to give a more immersive feeling to it and if things like that are possible i'm sure there will be some players that might just focus on exclusively just running their um, blacksmith shop and crafting the best weapons possible that other players wouldn't normally be able to craft on their own unless their crafting skill was stupidly high 
which they probably wouldn't bother with because they prefer spending their time killing monsters. But instead, they can go to this player that likes crafting and has specifically increased his crafting stats. It all has and to do a bit with population size as well, right? Like, when you get yes. to the wall scale of, like, tens of millions of people playing the same game, it's very hard to be the only good blacksmith in town unless the map is big enough, which is kind of like uh, No Man's Sky premise, that the universe is so yep. big that people most likely won't run into each other. Yep. So well, with, uh, with WoW and most MMOs actually currently, it's that, it's that uh, you don't actually share the world with the other 10 million people. You're sharing it with 4,000 people. Sure. I mean, Eve. Eve is the Eve is the exception. I guess you are sharing the world with everyone, but in general, these kinds of games don't actually let you play with uh, the other nine million nine nine hundred thousand and so on. True. Yes, and I mean that makes sense from a performance point of view, from a technical point of view, and from to some degree a physical point of view because if you have a small town and it's the starting town you can't have nine million people standing in one small little square <laughs> yeah well that's what blizzard changed things to right like they used to be split by servers but now you're split by areas and they join servers as as they go so like okay. no area will ever be too empty or too full they'll just spawn okay. more in spawn more instances of that area and then stick people from random servers there this okay, is something Elder Scrolls Online introduced with the super server or whatever. It actually tries to populate um, your screen, not the actual server, it's a common server that allows you to see first the people that are in your friend list, the friend list of your friends and guilds and things like that, and then adds additional people, additional parties or guilds, depending on the skill set you're looking for and things like that. But what actually quite interesting. Jim was saying, I think he has got it the wrong way around. So Jim was talking about immersion in Sal. The problem is that most games, most MMOs, no, all MMOs lack the immersion of SAO because you're not in a game. You can do all these things, you can have professions at this point in most of the online games. Uh, Final Fantasy, WoW, EverQuest, uh, Ultima Online, they all had professions. You could be a leather worker, you could go mine things. People in WoW make money and actually level up by um, upping their professions. I have a lot of people that like mining because they like the WoW graphics and like exploring new places. So they just travel around and mine things or gather uh, weed and whatever people gather these days. And they actually level up. Blizzard has allowed them the last 3-4 expansions to progress through the game without fighting. You are That's able cool. to get to a very high level, if not top level, just by mining, gathering, creating stuff and things like that. And it allows you to become rich and do things that do not involve fighting. But Sal is the wrong way around because people did these things 
because the environment was immersive. Because you were actually inside a world. In any MMO, trading something or building something isn't just clicking and waiting some seconds. You need to have the materials, you need to gather them or buy them. It's something very yeah. simple. In SAO, uh, you could go to someone and actually physically talk to him. You could uh, bargain something. It was much more a personal experience than people tend to do in MMOs. In, yeah. Even in RP servers, people are very focused in the objective of the game, which is to go fight, do dungeons, uh, level up, uh, figure out the best build and things like that. In SAO, it was the other way around. You had too much time and you could actually enjoy the environment. True. I mean, it is a fictional world where people are physically stuck inside of it and can't get out. <laughs> True. If you figure out a way to make the experience of uh, MMORPGs as they are currently on the screen and with you with the mouse and keyboard more immersive, then that would be amazing. But currently, this is very hard to do, even with games that are first person and that allow you to use microphone and voice communication it's very very difficult true in a way though i remember like when when i first created my first night elf character and i jumped off a balcony from a very high tree i felt chills down my spine when i was going to land and like it's not like i'm not used to playing 3d games but there was just something about wow that felt more immersive i guess I think this is the f the factor of MMORPGs that the, you get attached to your character, or at least that would be the point. In WoW, for example, when I first played, I was very, very attached to my character. I could, I could not easily make an alt. Right. Yeah. Same here. So, all always my character in World of Warcraft, the first character each time I play again, is always a female undead warlock named Nadja. So it's always the same. It's the same. It has it has a background story. I have uh, spoken with people. It has all the quests, all the dungeons, all the people I've killed. Right. This is something very immersive, but something that it's not easy it's not immersive enough to transition to Naya being bored of everything and just start making armor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Anyway, um, should we just call it a day? Yeah, let's round it yep. up. Okay, so yep. um, uh, Twitter handles, uh, Jim, what's your Twitter handle? Yeah, um, that's Jimmy. At Jimmy, so J I M E H. And if it's not obvious from the pronunciation. George, your Twitter handle. It's Joa with the silent H in the end. And uh, Alex. Alex M. Rice. Rice written R E I S. And yours, Eric? And mine is Freyport. Yeah, it's F R A E port, like a C port. And that's, yeah. That's it. 
So that's all of us. Thanks for listening in. If you still yep. survive the largest length of a podcast we've ever recorded. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you still want some more, there'll be more at roundup.io in two weeks. See ya. <laughs>